Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You're listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BillyFMDFF Show. Of course, check us out on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Make sure you find the episode on your favorite pod streaming app after the show and on the Amazon Fire TV the Amazon App Store, any Amazon Fire TV device and or Android device. We are widely available to you. We're going to be available to you in a lot more places real soon. A lot of exciting things coming up. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here, Chris Dowhauer. Chris, I know we have the, the week begins you know, usually with a Monday and a Tuesday, and we're on Wednesday night. But for football purposes, I feel like our week starts with this show today. So I was a little bit more juiced to start off with this show because I feel like it starts the week and looking forward. And what we have to look forward to is the last week of the regular season for fantasy football. Yeah, it's playoff time's right around the corner and everybody's kind of rather fighting for that last spot to try to get in or get ready for the playoffs and hoping to get some good kind of good seating and maybe even get a buy. Absolutely. So that's what we got to do on Tuesday. I was talking about the waiver wire report. I talked about how we got to start consolidating our rosters, protect what your core is going to be for your playoff lineups to begin with. Obviously, we got to keep recapping these shows and picking up what trends are happening where, because things don't change week to week in the NFL, without a doubt. Speaking of changes, though, before we get into the minutia of this show, I do have an announcement we need to make for this show. Okay, we have now partnered with Superdraft. Now, if you guys don't know what Superdraft is, it's an alternative DFS platform and an alternative to FanDuel, alternative to DraftKings. Basically, what they do a little bit differently is that their players, instead of a salary cap, are based on a multiplier. So you could have all the top players on your team if you wanted to. You could have Cooper Cup with Tom Brady and you know if he was playing still Christian McCaffrey. The cost doesn't matter. But the strategy comes in the multipliers. Now, the reason why that is important 
is because it's much easier for the common fantasy football fans who then win tournaments based on that. You're, you don't have to necessarily know who the third string wide receiver who might see five targets that day or catch a bomb and get, get the value of the cost salary cap does like DraftKings and FanDuel in order to win those big money tournaments. That's the thing about FanDuel and DraftKings, what they don't tell you is that a lot of it, the, the top 1% of the guys like me, like Chris and guys who do it even better than we do, spend all their time with the data, all their time with the numbers, all their time with the value. Those are the guys winning 99.9% of the time. Yes, you can get lucky just like a lottery does, but typically speaking, the common fantasy fan who just wants to play DFS and have fun and maybe win a couple bucks and have a good chance to win a couple bucks doesn't necessarily go their way. This is designed to kind of even the scales as it were. So the MD's DFS contest, we're going to go into more detail on this on Friday when we usually have our MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. But the contest is going to shift over to the Super Draft program. I want, what I want you guys to do is you sign up for an account. It's superdraftpro.com and slash MDFF show. All you got to do is sign up for the account. And it, you can you can pick different level members. We'll we'll, we'll talk about the memberships in a second because that applies more to the sports book. That that'll we'll talk about that more on Friday. But you can join for free and join our contest, which is still very much for free. The link is in the subscriptions uh, or in the comments in our platforms that we're streaming to live now. I'll be promoting it all throughout the week. I wanted to get ahead of this. I don't want to wait till Friday because we are changing things up because we were on DraftKings. So I want you guys to be aware of this today. Nothing changes. You win the contest, you get the easy sports betting data for free, and you get your name eligible for a championship football. Trust me, it's a lot of fun. I was checking it out last couple of days, playing a little NBA, and you know it was just kind of nice to be able to just pick who I wanted and base it off the multiplier and kind of use that as a strategy. A lot of fun and a lot of single entry contests to make it a little bit easier to win money too. So Something we'll talk about more and more on the show. We just partnered with them. They are backed by Caesars Entertainment. So you have a big time sports book backing them and backing us as well. Okay, so that's what's going on with the MD's fantasy football show. I know you guys want to get into figuring out what you have to do this week coming up because you're probably in one of three situations. You're either completely out of it, in which case you don't really care unless your league has a toilet bowl or costs money to lose, which hopefully most leagues do because that's how you keep the competitive juices going even when you are out of it. Or you're in a situation where you have to win to get in or you're preparing for week 15 because you already know that you're in. Either way, this show is very vitally important for anybody who's in any, any of those situations. So, Chris, let's kick this thing off with the Thursday night game. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Minnesota Vikings. We'll start on the Pittsburgh Steelers side of the ball. Ben Roethlisberger had his best game after he announces he's going to retire. Thank God. First of all, thank God Ben Roethlisberger is going to retire. I, I, I do want to give him a round of applause. He had one hell of a career, so let's definitely give him a round of applause. For and then let's give him another round of applause for sparing us to having watched him another season. So he's out. But in the process, Deontay Johnson has been a lockdown wide receiver one with another great matchup coming up here with Minnesota. Patrick Peterson or not, this defense is not very good against the wide receiver. So Deontay Johnson, he's my wide receiver seven. Does he keep this thing going this week and the rest of the fantasy playoffs? I absolutely think you it does. I think this is one of the few guys outside of Cooper Cup that you can throw in your lineup week in, week out and get consistent production. The volume's been there all season long. The targets have been there all season long. 
regardless of what kind of offense they run, whether it's fast-paced or running, it doesn't necessarily matter for Deontay Johnson. He always comes out of like at the end of the game having produced in some kind of capacity. He wants some bigger up, upside, hopefully, for some touchdowns. But he might get that this week. You know, you call you saw St. Brown last week have a great game versus this Minnesota defense that's you know struggled. Patrick Peterson or not, Patrick Peterson isn't the same guy he used to be. So it's not really going to matter whether he plays or not. I think this. I think this is a smash spot for Deontay Johnson. You really like this game, especially because both these teams are competing for playoff spots. So in a way, you're going to get a playoff-like atmosphere on a Thursday night game with two evenly matched teams. That actually bodes well, especially when they're good matchups, for the fantasy players that you want to be able to utilize. The one guy I am a little bit nervous about, though, is Chase Claypool. It looked very obvious on Sunday that he is definitely hindered by that toe injury. Now, I still have him as my wide receiver 31 heading into the week. Uh, he only came down for two catches and 58 yards, I believe it was, for the game. Are you going to play Chase Claypool as your wide receiver three? Do you have confidence where I have him ranked at? I don't necessarily would prefer not to play him if I could not. Uh, I think this matchup's a good on paper, and it sounds like an outstanding matchup. You, of course, you want to get kind of get you know, involved in. But looking at what Chase Claypool was able to do last week, he's only out there for 63% of the passing plays. Um, he wasn't really, you know, you talked about his injury. is obviously affecting him. He's having a hard time playing throughout, you know, the last couple of weeks and ending games and finishing games. So you definitely have a concern about a guy that, you know, could get hurt early on in the game and cost you a playoff spot. So I'm not playing Chase Claypool. I think there's too much on the line. Now, if you're one of those teams looking forward to week 15 or something like that, and you can kind of just mess around, maybe you do and go for the upside. But I think otherwise, I'm trying to avoid Chase Claypool in my lineup this week. I think I'm still holding on to him because more times than not, he's in that low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four territory. This is still a team that has to throw the ball a ton. But the reason, the main reason why he makes my wide receiver 31, making him a wide receiver three play, almost a mid-level one at that for me, because you got four teams on by this week. I mean, what a hell of a week to have that many teams on by when people are trying to make the playoffs. It really kind of makes you... I was thinking about this the other day. Like, are we structuring this wrong? I don't want championships to be in the last week of the regular season because that that's just terrible. But having bye weeks, especially if they can be heavy bye weeks, on the last game of the regular season when people are desperately trying to make the playoffs and need a win to get in, it feels wrong that we have this many teams on bye and we're playing this out in this way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's felt wrong in the last couple of weeks. I mean, things since week 13 or 12 or 13 since you've gone through byes, all the injuries everybody's kind of deal with it and, and add the buys each week that you're kind of trying to overcome as well. It's been hell trying to get to the playoffs. And I think a lot of teams are already kind of struggling having a healthy roster as it is. And then you add the buy factor into it. It's already kind of hard to be able, especially if not in a league, there's an IR spot. Um, it's really hard to kind of, you know, have a, a roster to kind of throw out there for the playoffs. And it really kind of cheapens what people have done all season long in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the other question we have with the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as fantasy purposes go is Pat Freermuth. Now, for me, he comes into my tight end nine. All you guys got a taste of last week was what happens when your tight end, who's not a Travis Kelsey, a Mark Andrews, or a George Kittle, what happens when they don't score a touchdown? That's it. That's all that happens. He scored more touchdowns than anybody else has been, so especially in this you know the stretch that he's been on over the past six weeks. You're not coming off of Pat Freermuth now, especially not in this matchup. He is a top ten tight end play for me. I'm not wavering on him at all. Yeah, I think Pat Freermuth is the reason I'm not necessarily one to throw Chase Claypool in my lineup. I think Pittsburgh can only feed two guys in their passing game right now, and they're two guys who I think that you prefer to have in your lineup this week. 
Yeah, notice I didn't mention Najee Harris because he's my RB4. Obviously, you're playing him. And I think we've squashed all the concerns there were a couple of weeks ago of, oh, are they going to windle down his volume? Because that is the only thing keeping you fantasy relevant because there's, there's nowhere for him to go whenever he touches the ball, unfortunately. Uh, but Najee Harris, number four running back for me. He's fine. He's getting all the volume. You like the matchup here. You keep playing him with confidence. So let's flip things over to the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I can't see this happening, but I do find it interesting that all of a sudden Dalvin Cook is a game-time decision for tomorrow's game. So keep your eye out on that. I didn't rank him. I didn't put him in my projections. I thought there was no way he was going to play on a Thursday night game. Now, the original timeline was that he was supposed to miss two weeks. And then they would check back on his status in week 15. That was that was why he didn't go in the IR. Not because they had the expectation he was going to be able to play this week. He did practice limited capacity on Tuesday. And today, again, look at it. But I've, I have Alexander Madison as my number four run, number three running back. So the top three running back heading to this week. Obviously, Dalvin Cook would be the guy you play if he's going to wind up being the starter. But Chris, do you see any way... Dalvin Cook is going to play. And if he does, why is Minnesota rushing him back? I mean, why they'll be rushing him back is just the point you just made a couple of minutes ago about this being a playoff-like atmosphere. This is for the playoffs of the Vikings in a lot of ways. They have to win this week or basically their season's over. Now, for Dalvin Cook, what I you know, what you kind of feel like he's going to be able to do, I was under the impression that you were as well, that he was going to be out for multiple weeks. They would not be back this week. I was shocked to hear that he had limited practice already. And we have back-to-back limited practices. I still have some questions whether or not is this something kind of ramping up more for next week. Anyway, just kind of we've seen this kind of happen some other teams where guys have gotten kind of ready for that Thursday game or practice, like Alvin Kamara did last week, but they didn't actually play. They kind of get ready for actually more for this week. So I, I, I think there's still kind of you know the jury's still out in a lot of ways. I talked about this yesterday on you know BFL show. I think the one of the things for me, I think Madison's the guy that I probably would be more. Uh, comfortable playing this week because we saw kind of similar situation with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was built most weeks, came back, kind of played, but didn't really get the carries and the touches you kind of expected him to. We saw Dalvin Cook have a similar experience when he first returned as well earlier this season where he kind of didn't, you know, come back healthy and wasn't kind of still kind of sharing the touches. So I think Madison, no matter what, is kind of probably the safest play for myself this week. Yeah, I would rather, as a fantasy player, I would rather see it just be Madison as well. And Look, yes, this is a playoff-like atmosphere, but it's a Thursday game. Let him sit. He comes back next week a little more fresh, a little bit longer term. Not that the torn labrums are going to go away or anything like that, but just a little bit more time to get ready for game time. When he does play, I have no doubt about it, they're going to let him go because that's, that's what they do. They just they let Dalvin Cook work. But if Alexander Madison wasn't performing, then I could understand it a little bit more. He's done nothing but produce in the absence of Dalvin Cook. They did not lose that game on Sunday because they didn't have Dalvin Cook. So that, that's where I, I don't understand why you would rush him back. I still lean very much on the side of he's going to miss this game. But definitely a conversation to be had. Definitely something you're going to have to watch and make sure you follow us along on social media at BillyFMDFF Show. Keep you up to date heading into tomorrow night's game. Let's get to the passing attack. Adam Thielen, he's out. We still have not gotten a definitive timeline other than it's not going to cost him, or at least they hope it's not going to cost him the rest of the season. We'll see what winds up happening, but he's definitely going to be out for tomorrow at the very least. So what does this do for everybody else involved? Let's go to the obvious. What does this do for KJ Osborne? 
I have KJ Osborne as my wide receiver 35. So he just makes my top 36, which means he is a wide receiver three or flex play, depending upon what your situation is. I do think he gets extra targets in a good match against Pittsburgh, who the wide receivers always they give up points to the wide receivers. It's not all going to go to Justin Jefferson. I think you're going to get a little bit of a boost for Osborne, a little bit of a boost for Tyler Conklin, who comes as my tight end 11 on the week. So he's a top 12 tight end for me as well. I think that's where some of the volume is going to sprinkle down to between those two guys. Kind of already did on Sunday. Justin Jefferson will get his too, but it'll help out these guys a lot. So are you going to be confident start off with KJ Osborne and playing Tyler Conklin? Right. I, I'm confident playing KJ Osborne more so than Tyler Conklin. I think Tyler Conklin, you kind of talked about this with the other tight ends when they score, you know, they kind of do what they need to do when they don't, they're just kind of out there. It's going to be really kind of crucial for him to score. I think this week, I think, you know, this game, while it looks good on paper worth, you know, two terrible defenses in a sense, both offenses and both coaching staffs love to make a game like this kind of ugliness and not and play down and not score like you're supposed to. So I think I have a bit concerned about that the Vikings offense, especially the passing game, isn't going to be high octane. I think Justin Jefferson is definitely the guy who's going to most benefit without dealing out. But I think KJ Osborne is a close guy where you can kind of – you talked about him being recently a flex receiver three range, and I agree with that. Yeah, Osborne, we've seen the talent out of him already earlier this season. We know he can do it if he just gets more opportunity. We know he can produce at a high level. And Conklin – I think he's got one of the higher floors of all those tight ends, especially the ones you're talking about in that back-end, tight-end one, high-end, tight-end two range, because this is a guy who's already seen consistently about six targets a game. Anyway, you add an extra one or two to that, you get seven to eight targets. You're talking about a usage level that's on the same level as some of these guys who are at tight-end eight or, or higher. So that's why I do like Tyler Conklin quite a bit as a, le- as a high-floor type of guy as well. Justin Jefferson, he's my number two wide receiver on the week. You love Justin Jefferson this week. Not that you were ever going to question that anyway, but his ceiling might be through through the roof without Adam Thielen. Maybe we get to see a preview of what happens in life after Adam Thielen, quite frankly. So what does that do for Kirk Cousins? Do you have confidence in playing Kirk Cousins as a streamer? I do. I got him at QB 11 this week. I want to have confidence in Kirk Cousins, but also this game's at home, and Kirk Cousins at home does not produce at the rate he's supposed to, nor especially through the air. I think this game could be a low-scoring game. I think Kirk Cousins is a start if you if you have to, but I think it's a preferable start if you have other better options. Although this season, basically, any guy who can score 15 more points or more at a quarterback position, you're probably willing to put in your lineup right now, or score 15 points or less. And that's kind of been that's kind of been the issue so far this season. I think you have to just you have to play the probability here. It's a good matchup. Kirk Cousins has been pretty good as of late. You still have all the key weapons that you need. I think you just have to play the probability of it. I don't really – do you consider Thursday night a true primetime game? Because that's usually the other knock with Kirk Cousins. I don't know that I do, so I don't really look at it that way. But I know other people have been pointing this like, oh, it's a primetime game too. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know about all that for Kirk Cousins. I, I just think that he tends to choke when the games matter. I don't know that, how much it's going to be different, whether it's Thursday night or Monday night or Sunday night. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's talk about betting this game. Minnesota Vikings at home are minus three. Over-under set at 43 and a half. I actually like the over. I really think this game, we're going to see a surprise where these two teams actually have no choice but have the offensive score because the defense are just playing so poorly right now and are so banged up. Now, I know Minnesota is getting a little bit healthier heading into this game. I think Pittsburgh is too. 
but I do believe the offenses will show up in this game. So give me the over. It's a low over under at 43 and a half. That's the only angle I'm looking to bet. How about you? Yeah, I'm definitely not picking a winner in this game because if you can tell me, please let me know because I have no idea what the identity either one of these teams is going to be this week. Um, and then for the over-under, I, I like I said, I, I have some reservations about how high how scoring this game is going to be. I don't think it's bad to go over, though, because I definitely think the game could be 24-20. I think anything more than that, I'll be super excited and happy that we actually got something great to watch on Thursday night. But I, like I said, this game reminds me a lot of the Ravens game and Pittsburgh games past week where I wouldn't be surprised if both teams play down to their competition. It is really funny the difference between, okay, fantasy-wise, we have this going on. But I'm with you, NFL-wise, watching entertainment-wise, especially after that Monday night game, and it's been how long since we had a decent Thursday night game. Just give me a good game. It could be low-scoring, too. Just, just, give me a good, just give me a good game on Thursday night football, for the love of God. Uh, let's move into Sunday night. Or not Sunday night, but Sunday, early afternoon. That's what this is for. It's the early slate window of games. We'll kick it off with the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati game. And the reason I think I said Sunday night is because I felt like this game should be the Sunday night game. <laughs> because why is Green Bay and Chicago the Sunday night game? This game is probably going to be one of the more entertaining, one more closer matched up games of the week. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I thought they were flexing things out. But apparently when it comes to Green Bay and Chicago, we're all forced to watch an AFC North rivalry matchup for some reason even though none of us live in the North because it's too cold. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's go to San Francisco. A lot of injury news. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, he's in concussion protocol. Debo Samuel, he's not practicing yet either. On the flip side, some good news. Jeff Wilson, even though he had the knee flare up, he was a limited participant in practice today. So, Chris, what are you looking at with the, with the injuries going on? What's your feel for the injuries going on with this team right now? I mean, I think right now they have their fingers crossed that Elijah Mitchell's going to be able to play and that those are hoping on beyond hope in a sense that that kind of plans out. I think there's a good chance as long as he can kind of get some kind of limited practice in by Saturday, he'll probably. Otherwise, I think there's going to be a committee and that's something we don't necessarily want to touch, particularly what we've kind of seen this year. Um, you know, we talked about Wilson kind of you know, back from the flare up in the knee, but you don't want that can flare back up again. AC looks good on paper. And then we've also seen Juszczyk being utilized as a third down guy in, in the past and a guy that kind of was relied on when other running backs went down. So I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into a full-blown committee um, and Shanahan makes it unplayable where it's a situation where you just can't pick any of these guys necessarily that feel confident and stick out there if Mitchell's isn't playing this week. Yeah, I agree. So if Mitchell does play, I have an RB14. You're playing him as a mid-level RB2. I think we can both agree with that. Debo Samuel, he's my wide receiver five if he's going to be out there just because he's going to get the ball one way or another. He might get the ball just as much as Mitchell in the backfield. Who knows? But one way or another, we know he's getting the football. So he's my wide receiver five if he's out there. As of right now, I have Brandon You get wide receiver 27. If Debo doesn't play, and I'm kind of tending to think he might not, but we still got to see how the rest of this practice week goes. If Debo doesn't play, Ayuk will probably move inside my top 24, maybe even inside my top 20. So I would be playing him as a solid wide receiver too. And I think it's important to note that, even though on one hand, it could be like, well, no, duh, if Debo doesn't play, then the extra target share goes there. But a lot of people got burned last week by Brand Ayuk. Look, George Kittle is not going to go for almost 200 yards in a game every single week. That was a big reason why Brand Ayuk wound up not really being that involved. So uh, I think you keep playing Ayuk, especially when the usage is there. And even if Debo's out there, I still think he's a high floor wide receiver three. 
whether you could debate that, I think that's still questionable how much is, you know, passing game can kind of feed heavy mouths it can feed in a sense. But I do think there's an option that you kind of saw Brandon Ayuk becoming more the receiver one, even before Debo went on not, and was knocked out for a couple of games or for the last week's game. Um, you saw Debo kind of being more utilized as a running back, and that's pretty much saving his value in a lot of ways, was getting those rushing touchdowns and rushing usage while Ayuk was gotten, still catching the ball and using the, a high-volume target guy who was actually, you know, Reading out as a receiver two or line receiver one for the last few weeks. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Agreed. Agreed there. Uh, obviously, you're playing George Kittle at the tight end three. and You're petrified if you're a Kittle owner like myself, though, because you're also, as you just pointed out, he's not going to get 200 yards, but it could be one catch for 13 yards, how it's kind of going season's going. <laughs> But regardless, you got to play him as your top. You do, man. It's tight a, end. It sucks. There's, there's, there's no other way around that part. Uh, we can move, flip things over to Cincinnati because Jimmy Garoppolo, he's a QB 17. He's really outside of my streaming territory. And I'll just add this one last caveat in there. If Elijah Mitchell doesn't go and Jeff Wilson's activated, Jeff Wilson will be the lead ball carrier. I think you'll probably see Jamichael Hasty be the main pass catching back. But Wilson will probably be in that low in RB2, high in RB3 territory where you're probably going to not have a better option uh, if he's going to be the lead back. We'll just add that in there, too. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow has been a very difficult man to rank at the quarterback position. It's been very, very frustrating to me. I keep wanting to put him in my top 12, and then he screws me, and then when I put him outside my top 12, he goes for 300 yards. But it's been ugly. He's on a lot of turnovers. However... 49ers secondary, except for when they play the Rams, doesn't get a lot of turnovers, generally speaking. And it's very susceptible secondary for a team whose wide receivers, I know Jamar Chase production-wise isn't playing great, but the balance between him and T. Higgins should be a, a matchup nightmare for the San Francisco team. Joe Burrow doesn't quite make my top 12, but he is my QB 13. I think he's a guy that you can definitely play if you're in that territory looking for quarterbacks. I think he's one of the higher floors in this week's matchup and a good matchup, even though it might not necessarily show it on paper, but where are you at on Joe Burrow right now? Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with this guy's just wildly consistent. And it's really hard to kind of pigeonhole just like the Cincinnati team in general, of what you're going to get from week to week. I think the one thing we've kind of seen, we've you know beat the drum on a lot this year about the Cincinnati offense is that they don't have the same pace they played with last year. And as a result, you're seeing the limitations on this passing t- attack where it has to have, you know, kind of comeback situations or situations where things go awry for them to kind of open it up and get thrown a ball and using Joe Burrow. When he doesn't get multiple touchdown passes, he's highly efficient. But you have so many games where he's getting basically two to 200, 200 yards, 200 yards, and then you're only getting, you know, two touchdowns. You can't live off that. 
but your need is the three touchdowns, and that kind of has been you know hit or miss for him this whole season. As Joe Mixon kind of ascended throughout the season, Joe Burrow's production has kind of you know, descended as the season progressed. It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of you know Cincinnati offense shows up versus 49er team. They should be able to do both. And the 49ers are supposed to get their linebacker back and linebacker back this week, possibly, which will help against Joe Mixon, who might, you know, could be banged up himself. Um, but I think Joe Burrow is still a guy that you feel pretty confident putting out there. And as I kind of pointed out at the beginning of the show, right now quarterbacks aren't, you know, really lighting up scoreboards. So a guy like Joe Burrow has a safe floor. You can pretty much feel confident in this matchup to put in your lineup this week. Yeah, agreed. I think the main point is that he falls into that tier of guys between Kirk Cousins at 11 and guys you have at 16 where they're all playable options and should be in a situation where they could do well, but might not just because that's kind of how it's gone this year. Very inconsistent as far as that front is. I will say this though. He might, his weapons might be a little bit banged up. You kind of mentioned Joe Mixon. I think Mixon's going to be okay because he picked up that neck injury during the game. He was able to come back and finish the game and had his regular snaps for that too. I know there's a period where he came back in, kind of came out, but when he came back in that second time and finished out the game, he was out there as much as he was any other time. So I'm not really worried about Joe Mixon from that standpoint, although keep your eyes on the practice report still. He is sick. That's why he missed practice today. It was because of the neck issue. He does have an illness. It's a non-COVID illness. So that that's a good part there. But we've seen so far this year players picking up illnesses and not being able to play on Sunday more so than any other year. I can actually remember that it's not, not COVID related. Usually they play through it or find a way this year has been knocking guys out. So keep an eye on it. Hopefully he'll be all right. If he plays, he's my RB two overall. So I love Joe Mixon this week, but T Higgins has an ankle issue. Now we didn't get a lot of details and we never really do out of Cincinnati. That's, that's the annoying part. But if he, this is a new injury first and foremost, he had a great game. He played the whole game, so we're not exactly sure when he picked up the ankle issue to begin with, but he wasn't able to practice today. We'll operate this theory under the assumption he is able to play. Right now, I have Jamar Chase at wide receiver 9. I have T. Higgins at wide receiver 16. But an argument can be made that especially the way they've been playing as of late, but more importantly, the way they've been utilized as of late, is T. Higgins usurping Jamar Chase as the number one receiver on this team, Chris? I mean, the last few weeks he has, basically on the usage and the target rate, he definitely has in a lot of ways. But I also think it's an adjustment. You're just seeing the defense is kind of taking away Jamar Chase. They're trying to limit him. That's also why you've seen Joe Mixon production kind of jump the way it is. I think it's just this kind of you know, other than flow you're going to see naturally that kind of happens versus good offenses and different teams that kind of adjust to different teams. Right now, teams are adjusted to Cincinnati's Jamar Chase trying to take him away in the big play. As a result, you're seeing T. Higgins get one-on-one coverage, and you're seeing Joe Mixon not see multiple guys in the box, and you're taking advantage of that. I think Jamar Chase is still the, the guy that you want in your lineup based on his upside potential and ability to kind of take one. And you do think that Cincinnati is going to probably try to get him more involved at some point and kind of recognize that there's some tendencies going on for this team. But I think Higgins is still a safe play. As a result, we would be jumped by him all year long. He's probably one of the safer number two receivers you can put in your lineup week in, week out, and hope for some upside, but have a pretty good opportunity for a floor as well. And our, look, Jamar Chase, I know he hasn't been performing the way you want him to, or the way he did in the beginning of the season, but the, what he was doing at the beginning of the year, it wasn't something sustainable to begin with. There's no way I'm benching Jamar Chase, and I proved that in my ranking because I still make him a wide receiver one. This is one of the better matchups he's had. That's the other problem Jamar Chase has had. He's taken over his number one receiver. He gets all the attention, and they've had tough matchups. This is not one of them. 
So I'm having confidence in Jamar Chase, and there's no way I'm going to bench him at any point during the fantasy playoffs. Do you feel any differently or no? 100% agree. This is one thing that I think people are kind of overreacting to, particularly the receiver position this year. You haven't seen the consistency from the number one receivers. So people are getting down a lot of people like Jamar Chase and DK Metcalf, et cetera. But a lot of these guys, nobody's really producing other than a Cooper Cup of Justin Jefferson at a top-notch rate week in, week, or Deontay Johnson. Everybody else is pretty much hit or miss. What other better options do you really have out there that you're going to add to your team or play over some of these guys to mean that you're just going to be kicking yourself in the head when you teach Jamar Chase you know, go for 200 yards? Yeah, 100% agree there. All right, betting this game, it's – Minus one and a half for San Francisco on the road. So they are road favorites. The over-under set at 48 and a half. I'm taking Cincinnati because Cincinnati, they usually bounce back really well after a bad loss. And San Francisco, yes, they're coming off a loss as well to Seattle, but they always lose to Seattle. So I don't think that's anything new. I'm, I will take Cincinnati on the money line in this game at plus 105. Yeah, I was I was going to push on this game, but then when you just kind of won me over, I think Cincinnati will win this game. I do think that they're playing at home is going to help them. They have been kind of Jekyll and high from week to week, and I think this week they kind of get back on track. And it's a great matchup on paper versus for them as well. As you kind of talked about Jamar Chase, you can look at that entire lineup offensively and defensively. It's a really good matchup for the Cincinnati team to kind of get right. And the 49ers are kind of limping in where I think a lot of people kind of expected them to be back on track and be his top you know, playoff contending team. I think that's still a little higher expectations than this 49er team can actually live up to. I 100% agree. Let's dive into Baltimore and Cleveland. Baltimore and Cleveland. Get another matchup, the same matchup twice in three weeks now. Yeah, Cleveland gets a bye, plays Baltimore, gets a bye, comes back, plays Baltimore again. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, let, let's start with Cleveland. Do you think maybe, because now they've had two, what, two weeks to prepare for Baltimore after having played Baltimore. So you've got to figure they've done nothing but watch that tape of them losing to Baltimore. The one thing that I had to be obvious on that tape was that maybe, just maybe, it's not a good idea to come out going, you know, spread football with Baker Mayfield to attack this Baltimore team. And maybe you stick to what got you there in the first place. What makes you good in the first place? Your running game. You know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, let them do the work. Have Baker Mayfield just make a few plays to keep the offense going here and there. Do you think maybe they figured that out, Chris? Well, I was trying to figure out that earlier Raven game. Did You know, was there a Beckham name going across number 24's back? or Kareem Hunt's back as well, because that's what it seemed like. They were not being involved in this offense. Stefanski was treating them like they were the doghouse for some stupid reason. And this totally gets the MO of this team has been all year long. It didn't make any sense. They overplayed their hand. And Ravens haven't been that great against the run all season long either. So it's not like the typical Raven team that you would kind of play against. So I have no idea what Cleveland was doing. I don't know how they think about putting the, the game in Baker Mayfield's hands and that banged-up receiver core was going to be the answer. <laughs> Guys, never fear. Nick Chubb, he's my RB11. He is an RB1. Kareem Hunt is my RB24. The one thing going for Kareem Hunt now is that he got back in that game. He didn't get hurt. He's now had the bye week. So you kind of expect him to be as close to 100% health as he's probably going to be this season. I do think Cleveland corrects their mistake from their first loss to Baltimore two weeks ago. They get back to what makes them great. That is giving the ball to Chubb, giving the ball to Kareem Hunt, and getting the hell out of the way. So outside of that, I'm playing them with confidence, first and foremost. Chris, as you pointed out, Baltimore is a bottom 15 run defense this year. It's not been a very good run team. 
Jarvis Landry does come in at wide receiver 31 for me. He looked like he was starting to get some of his bounce back heading into the bye week, starting to get open a little bit better. And when it just comes down to it, there's no other wide receivers of Cleveland to really hang your hat on. No, there's not. I mean, and I think Jarvis Landry is not much to hang your hat on either. So I think this passing game in general is something I would prefer to avoid if possible. I agree with that. I mean, the, there's not much of a ceiling when you're talking about Jarvis Landry. There's no doubt about that part of it. Let's flip things over to the Baltimore side. So I made sure Lamar Jackson was not in my top three this week. However, he's still my number six quarterback overall. He still gives you that base floor of the 55, 60 rushing yards at minimum. You're talking. So he's still going to be a guy that I think you have to continue to play and start. He still got 20 fantasy points last week in spite of it being a dreadful week to watch him actually play. So Lamar Jackson, you're plugging and playing him at six. You can't expect the big Lamar Jackson games. One, they haven't happened for a while. But two, Cleveland's defense also got a lot healthier after the bye week. And we know that they can be a really good defense, especially when they're playing against their AFC North divisional opponents. So Lamar Jackson, just expect him to be good, not great. The big thing I want to get in here, too, is Devonta Freeman. He is my RB23 on the week. He's a top 24 running back. He's a solidified RB2. He's officially pulled away from Latavius Murray. I don't think this is a committee anymore for the first time. Latavius Murray gets sprinkled in there, but he's not out there to actually be in a committee with Devonta Freeman. He's out there as a guy to give him a breath once in a while. Freeman looks... I, I mean, I don't know if it's just because it's compared to Latavius Murray or what, but to me, on tape at least, he looks a little bit spry, and he's catching the football. That's the other thing. Lamar Jackson's actually dumping the ball down to Devonta Freeman a little bit more than he did any other running back. So, Chris, what do you think about Freeman being a starter this week and, and maybe the whole fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I think it's something definitely you can you might be able to do right now. I mean, to me, he's basically playing a lot like a, a junior version of Leonard Fournette. Um, he's involved in all the, all the passing game and the running game that you kind of talked about. He's getting red zone carries, and he gets an offense that kind of is relying on him as kind of their safe, you know, safety blanket in a lot of ways. I think Freeman's going to be continue to be that guy. He that's why he's been separating himself. Um, it's definitely something that you, you you've seen over the last three, three, three or four weeks now, where he's been getting multiple, you know, 15, 20 touch games. You have to get high and ride with Freeman as long as you can and be pretty much excited that you've kind of stumbled into an RB1 or RB2, I should say, um, in this late in the season. I do have Marquise Brown, my wide receiver 15. I know it didn't go great the last time around. I was coming back from a thigh injury, but he was able to get through last week's game without having any setbacks. And really, if you went back and watched that game, he should have had a bigger stat line. There were some missed opportunities from Lamar Jackson. I don't think happened again. So Marquise Brown's been so good this year. You're playing at wide receiver 15. I mean, Chris, do you have any concerns? I do a little bit. I think Ward's playing okay. really well. He's healthy. I do have some concerns that, that this is kind of a Marquise Brown's kind of being taken away more and more in his offense over the last few weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is a game where he doesn't kind of show up where you're hoping you get a 30-catch, 31-yard game. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I would agree with that more if they weren't being so weird about Rashad Bateman, where all of a sudden Rashad Bateman's not really part of the offense as we saw last well, week. I don't let's know be real. They're being mirrored in general, their whole passing attack. Wow. And a lot of it's got to do with Lamar Jackson, I believe. I think, you know, Greg Roman's not doing him a whole lot of favors, but I was just kind of thinking sitting here, and I just wish, you know, Aaron Rodgers could sit down with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson right now and kind of go over when the Aaron Rodgers went kind of went through this, the end of McCarthy's, you know, run in Green Bay, 
where he wasn't making that first quick throw, kind of holding the ball and holding the ball and holding the ball, and as a result, kind of just making the offense sputter. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson is doing the same exact things right now where they're just holding the ball, missing the easy quick throws or missing throws that they could make, always looking for the home run throw, always looking for that big play throw. And right now I think it's really hindering their play. No, valid, which is why I think you have to just stick to the guys who have been performing all year long. I'm not playing Rashad Bateman. I'm not playing a Sammy Watkins. I am going to stick with Marquise Brown. And, of course, Mark Andrews, my number two tight end on the week. I do think he's going to bounce back in a big way after getting missed out on on a touchdown and missing out on that two-point conversion last week. I do think he bounces back because he typically does that after those type of performances. As far as betting this game goes, Cleveland Browns minus two and a half in Cleveland. The over-under at 42. The over-under is at 42. I'm taking that over. I'm taking the over. I don't think this is – because here's what happens with these games, right, with the AFC North in particular. You have one game like you did a couple of weeks ago where it's 16 to 10 against Baltimore and it's a defensive battle and it's ugly. And it's blah. Then the next game, you're like, oh, well, there's going to be another ugly game. Uh-uh. So all of a sudden, everyone puts their jet packs on and, it's ne- and you look up and it's 42-35. Now, I don't think that's going to be the final score, but I do think it hits the over at 42. I think you're going to get a higher scoring game. If I had to pick and choose, I do think Cleveland wins this game. I think they do wind up splitting this series, but I'm going to stick to the over at 42. How about you? Yeah, I want to be you know, kind of banking on it like you kind of are that bounce back, and I have seen that happen a lot this year. I just have a lot of concerns about the Ravens' offense right now, and until I can see it actually score and produce, I can't trust it. I mean, I've seen him play against horrible competition. I've seen good, good defenses. It doesn't seem to matter right now. They're going to score 17, 20 points basically week in, week out, and that's about all you get in this offense. So I have a hard time feeling like it's going to be a high-scoring game until I actually see it. Well, it doesn't be that high score to get over on the 42, but I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. What we're going to do now is take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games to preview for the early window of Sunday for week 14. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel when you get the chance to do so. And check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And then download us on the Amazon App Store for your 
Android or Amazon Fire TV devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dahauer. We just previewed the Thursday night game and a few of the early slate window games for Week 14. We're continuing on with that now. Chris, the one word that we've been saying a lot tonight, and we're going to continue to say it some more, I would believe so, especially at this point in the season, is trust. What do you trust right now? Because trust is all you can have heading into these critical matchups beginning in week 14 and will be all throughout the playoffs. It's not about taking the chances. If you're going to go down, you want to go down with the players that you felt like had the, gave you the best chance to win that you trusted the most to get the production that you were hoping for. Because if you wind up losing because you took some Wild West crazy shot on somebody, you're going to hate nobody but yourself. But at least then you can say, look, my team just wasn't the better team that week. So trust, that's the word. Those are the players that we're looking for in these matchups as we go through this. Why I'm not talking as much about guys that you might want to take a hit or miss or a boom or bust type of shot on. We're not talking about those guys. This is where you consolidate the roster. That's why you got to go back, listen to the waiver wire report. I know waivers probably clear at this point, but I had guys on there that were probably not going to get picked up because they're going to consolidate your team moving forward. Trust. That's what we're looking for. Speaking of though, <laughs> when we say trust, what in hell do you trust on the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans right now? Not all players we don't want to trust. All right, let's start with James Robinson because I think you're forced to trust him if he's out there and playing. Last week was terrible. I get it. I know. He had nine carries. Uh, there's a lot of controversy. Was he benched for the fumble? Was he injured? Who knows what comes out of Urban Meyer's mouth? I don't really care. Here's what I know. If James Robinson is healthy enough, he'll be the guy out there and starting. And if he's healthy enough, I'm playing him as an RB2. Comes in an RB16 for me this week. I know Tennessee's defense in general has been better before they're heading into the bye. But there's literally nothing else on Jacksonville's offense that they can do at a consistent rate at all. So I'm plugging and playing James Robinson. Are you more fearful than I am? I am not necessarily more fearful. You know, I think you know, I look at him more as a flex play. I mean, I hope he's an RB2 with some potential. you probably going to play him right now on your lineup as an RB2 because there's so limited options right now for most people's rosters. But I think right now you're looking for a flex production out of James Robinson, but I do think you have to play him if you have him. Yeah, I agree. Oh, by the way, God. I was just going to say, how great must it be to be Urban Meyer where you have, you get paid millions of dollars and you're never responsible for anything. Nothing ever is your yeah. fault. You never yeah. have to you, – you didn't know. You were just a coach of the team. Who are you to talk about playing time? What would you know about that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, that's not your – running back's coach job. Yeah, running back coach does that stuff. Come on. In case you guys didn't hear it and you're, you're listening to this, Urban Meyer after the game said, well, the running back's coach, it's his job to decide which running back goes in at one point in the game. So when James Robinson came out, but then eventually came back in when the game was very much well in hand, he said it was the running back coach's call, not his. I'm pretty sure you're the head coach. I'm pretty sure you can overrule anything, especially in a stupid situation like that, which it was to bring James Robinson back in the game at that point. Give me a break. Uh, but yeah, no, Urban Meyer, he's, I mean, he's never responsible for anything. He's, he's a golden man on a golden cloud somewhere up above the rest of us mortals. And we're just in his world and we're just living in it. Apparently there's nothing else for Jacksonville to care about though. Cause I mean, nothing's working out receiver wise. Every, I mean, they, they just want to pack this season up and go to hell home and kind of try again next year. So let's move over to Tennessee. We got two things really, well, three things really interesting to talk about, but two things I want to kick it off with. First up, Julio Jones, back at practice today. There's no A.J. Brown. 
We know they are in dire straits for a wide receiver. Julio Jones is a wide receiver 34. He makes my top 36 list as a low-end wide receiver three just due to volume. I don't know if he plays all four quarters. I don't, I'm not saying I feel good about this, but I know that if he's going to be out there. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I don't think there's much of a competition for the target share, and it's a good match against Jacksonville. So if you want to talk about a DFS play, Julio's it, but I think you can contemplate him as a wide receiver three this week. Yeah, you talked about not playing any kind of, you know, the guys that you trust. Can you trust Julio Jones this week? I don't know if you can trust him. I think you can trust one of two things is going to happen. Rather, you're going to put Julio Jones in your lineup and you're, he's going to get hurt in the first quarter, right off the first, you know, first play, pull up a hamstring. Or he's going to go off for 180 right. yards. I think there's yes. an in-between for Julio Jones this week. I think you're going to get one of the Putting two. On your bench is <laughs> 30. Yeah. It's going to be one or the other. I'm totally there with you. That's why it's um, definitely an option depending upon what you have. Yeah, I know that Griffin's supposed to come back this week and people have kind of reluctance, but I, I agree with you. If anybody's thinking about some of these other receivers and dumpster diving, some of the receivers people are kind of pulling out right now, and you were actually looking at Westbrook Klein at some point, you better be playing Julio Jones. Well, that that's kind of more my point. If you're actually willing to play one of these other guys, then you got to be willing to play Julio. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I'm leaving him alone. He's my QB 16, so he makes that cutoff point for my quarterback streamers this week because it is Jacksonville and does have at least theoretically one weapon to be able to throw the ball to in this game. But I just I don't want to touch anything too much that I can as Tennessee. I know they're playing Jacksonville, but at the same time, it's been so mediocre. They've been so like conservative offensively. The, right. And they've it, stuck it, against it lots of teams this whole season. Jets. And that's that's the whole issue right there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do what they did against New England. It looked like they kind of found something just being like, you know what? I know we don't have Derrick Henry. I know we have a platoon of guys that were trying to mix and match, but we're just going to stick with the running game and stick with that. Uh, just, you know, because even with Julio back, you still have a lot of question marks there. So Ryan Taylor's my QB 16. I mean, am I too low on him? No, I think that's a fair assessment right now. But I think Ryan Tannehill's ceiling is so limited, it's hard to kind of ever have him in your top, you know, top tier guys. So a 16, I think he's a guy that's playable, has decent floor, has a little bit of upside. And the one thing you do like about Ryan Tannehill right now is he's using his legs and has been scrambling more and more as the season's kind of progressed and gives you kind of that safer floor as a result. But what you haven't really seen is a volume in the passing game. Maybe Julio changes that to a degree. But even when A.J. Brown was healthy, this, you know, this passing game hasn't been humming this entire season. So I think it's a fair assessment for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, so the other question is going to be the running back situation, right? Jerry McNichols did practice today. So there's a lot of conversation on is he, what role is he going to have? Cause he was a starter before, or at least he was the main pass catching back. 
But Dontrell Hillard, the past couple of games before the bye week, was, was playing quite well and actually producing on a pretty decent level. So now you have to ask yourselves, okay, well, which one is it going to be? Here's what I would say. You have to let that play out for a week. I wouldn't play Hillard. I wouldn't play McNichols. Neither one of them make my top 36. You let that play out in the field this week. Because even if you need to win this week, the win's not going to be hinging on whether you're playing Dontrell Hillard or Jerry McNichols. But Dante Foreman, his role, I do think is set in stone. He is my RB28 this week against Jacksonville. He'll be the main ball carrier. He'll be the goal line back, regardless of what's going on with Hiller and McNichols. So I think Foreman is somebody that is a mid-level RB3 that you can play because there's just not a lot of options out there. Yeah, I mean, logically, I 100% agree with what you're saying. My heart tells me this is going to be, and what I kind of feel my gut is, is is a Hilliard week. I trust him probably the most of all those running backs you talked about. I think McNichols is the hype and, and the idea that he's going to get his job back, quote unquote, is more of a misconception of the media than his actual reality. Never really had a giant job. He kind of was there when Derrick Henry got hurt. He was on the roster when the few running backs they had that wasn't injured. They lost their best backup um, early in the season. They had drafted last year. I forget the kid's name, I think it's Evans. Um, they had, so they didn't have him available to them. Um, and then they have this guy, McNichols, who they kind of had on their roster on and off for the last few years. So it's not like this guy's some kind of guy they spent a lot of draft capital on or they want to make sure he's going to be involved. I think you saw Hillard be way more productive in his role than McNichols ever kind of ever showed you was going to be. I think Foreman had a nice game and you kind of you're excited about him having that you know two down uh, kind of role. But I think one thing you can kind of bank on is that Tennessee is going to probably play ugly, and that usually means that they check the ball down to their back, and that's where Hillier, I think, gets his floor and kind of I, I, tr- I trust most. As far as betting this game goes, the Tennessee Titans minus 8.5 over Jacksonville, over under set at 43.5. Chris, we talked about this. Tennessee has had trouble covering their spreads, especially when they're bigger spreads against teams because they usually typically play down to their competition. But I am going to take Tennessee minus eight and a half in this matchup because Jacksonville has been playing so poorly. But also Tennessee's coming off the bye, and they're coming off the bye a little bit healthier. They actually have somewhat of a competent team. I think they actually do cover in this instance. Yeah, it's Tennessee, so I don't trust that at all. <laughs> Once again, I cannot blame you on that. Let's talk about the Raiders and the Chiefs. So the last time that we were hopeful the Chiefs offense had turned this thing around is when they played the Raiders. And then we found out it's really just because, well, the Raiders are the only team that decided not to adopt what everybody's been doing against the Chiefs, playing two cover deep and just not letting them get beat deep. But the Raiders decided to play more cover one, and Chiefs took advantage. I don't know if the Raiders are going to learn anything from that because that's what their defense does. It's just they don't really adjust to it. That's how they play. So I think, in a way, big things in store for Kansas City. Having said that, this is the lowest I've ranked Patrick Holmes because I can't do it anymore. He's had one game in the past six weeks where he's finished as a top 12 quarterback. That's it. So my QB nine, because it's the Raiders, and this was the last time he had the big game, and I do think that the Raiders will not adjust once again. So the opportunity will be there. But the fact that Mahomes has been so maddening has to be reflected. I think i do that with him at my QB nine, but I would still play Patrick Mahomes this week. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes and his whole Chiefs offense is just going to be something that I think we're going to have to just accept that isn't going to be what we hoped it was going to be this year. Um, I, they came off the bye. You saw no changes offensively. You saw nothing look better. 
Um, you know, Andy Reid continues to be a winning, winner off the bye, but you didn't see the usually infamous script or changes in the plays or wrinkles he kind of usually brings up with him. And that uh, this past week kind of just really scared me fantasy-wise. Chiefs seem to be really content with just being able to kind of play the Green Bay role of we try to play a score just enough and do not on offense just to kind of keep us ahead and let our defense kind of hide our defense as much as possible in a sense and kind of let them just make plays here here or there and we'll get out with, you know, a 24-20 win or something like that. Um, I, I hope that this kind of gets back to what we saw a couple of weeks ago against the Vegas and they kind of, you know, able to kind of reestablish Patrick Mahomes in a passing game, but I'm not necessarily banking on it. The only thing I really feel like you kind of look at for the Chiefs offense is the running back situation seems pretty you know, stable right now where they're getting the usage you were kind of hoping for for most of the season. Yeah, both of them are. I and mean, we can dive into that because really with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you're playing them. They're still elite guys. The one solace you could take out of this, although Mahomes and the offense in general has been, has been struggling, I know they didn't have good games last week, but typically speaking, these guys have still produced at an elite level at their positions. Maybe not off the chart record books like they were last season, but they're still at the top of their position. So Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, regardless of going on the offense, you're fine and you feel good about playing them. But the running back situation is interesting because now we saw last week it was Clyde Edwards-Lair and it was Darrell Williams. It wasn't just one or the other. Clyde Edwards-Lair leading a little bit of the way in the carries, and technically they wound up with the same amount of catches and targets, but Darrell Williams had more routes run. This is just a – I think it's a two-man committee with Clyde Edwards-Lair being a little bit favored, and I reflect that in my rankings. I have him at RB21, but I have Darrell Williams at RB29. I think they're both guys – that are going to be in that RB2, RB3 range. And you can contemplate playing both of them in your lineups as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – Edwards Larry you definitely could have in your lineup. Williams a little bit iffy. You're hoping to get that touchdown is kind of the crucial thing. Or if you're in a full-point PPR league, you're happy with it getting four or five catches as you're going to get out of the backfield. Um, you're not really seeing the volume you kind of hope for, but you do get kind of this team that exchanges series in a sense. So it's not like there's a clear-cut goal linebacker, clear-cut role for every player in the backfield right now. So Williams has a chance to you know, be produced at a flex level. He's kind of banking on or dependent on that he kind of gets involved in the red zone, especially because you kind of need that touchdown for to kind of salvage the day for you. Yeah, or just get, you know, one big catch. He wants to getting 60 yards through the air like he did oh, yeah, last year. That doesn't week. hurt either. <laughs> uh, let's move to the Raiders side. Derek Carr, he belongs in that same conversation with the Kirk Cousins and the Joe Burrows of the world of just – you can be a top 12 quarterback if you want to be, but you know, just kind of depends on what kind of offense and what kind of car is going to show up that day. I do have a QB 14 in this one. That's reflective of having to acknowledge how good this Kansas City defense has been lately. I mean, they've been the reason they've been winning games, their offense has been struggling is because the defense has actually legitimately been good, especially against quarterbacks. And because they don't have rugs and they're still trying to kind of find themselves without Waller. I do think you have to establish a little bit of a lower floor there for Derek Carr. So is he in the streaming territory? Yes. But I think there's other options to be able to go to this week. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think Derek Carr is one of those guys that you're you're hoping for the floor, but you don't always necessarily get what you expect, especially in a high-volume passing attack that they, they bring to the table. And then you're also not really getting the ceiling ever that you're kind of looking for Derek Carr. Guy has not yet thrown for more than two touchdown passes in the game. And as a result, you're not really getting that high ceiling at a quarterback position. So I think when you have the kind of mid-tier starter is a good place to have them. You're hoping for maybe a bigger game here or there versus the Chiefs defense. But yeah, as you pointed out, Chiefs defense has been playing better. 
I do think it's kind of inflated based on the competition they've been kind of playing as well. And also some of the game flow has kind of evolved where they're getting the beneficiary of getting some of the turnovers that they were kind of losing in the beginning of the season and thus kind of playing more of a ball control offense and more defensive, you know, um, style of a, de- uh, of, of a team play. So I think this is something the Chiefs are going to kind of have to, you know, adjust or not do versus Raiders team to make Derek Carr be the value you want him to be and have, be a high shootout game. Because otherwise, you're going to basically going to get between 15 to 17 points because this guy never throws. When he throws 300 yards, you're not getting three touchdowns. It's like it's like one or the other. Yeah, no, totally agree. We got a question coming in on social media from Dan. Late for the party, boys. Thoughts on Osborne and St. Brown? I've gotten this question a lot this week between these two players. I have Osborne five spots ahead of St. Brown. So I have Osborne more of a low-end wide receiver three. St. Brown more of a high-end wide receiver four. That was the first game we've really seen it come together for St. Brown. There's still been the conversation of, is it Josh Reynolds? Is it St. Brown? And frankly, I don't know if Detroit wins another game at all this season, so I don't know how excited you can get about it. I like Osborne and his potential. The I, He's in a better offense, first and foremost. I like his skill set quite a bit because he's the type of guy who can also beat you deep. So he's got some upside to his game along with an established floor, I believe, with no Adam Thielen heading into this week. What about you, Chris? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a peek to the warmer mailbag questions that are going to come up later on from the question we had written this week. I think you go with Osborne as well. I think Osborne is the guy who's shown you more of a consistent you know, production out there this whole season. People want Brown, St. Brown to be good. We've kind of only seen glimpses here or there occasionally. Last week was the first game where he actually had a big game, was actually consistently fantasy relevant. We've seen other bursts of kind of players like this for Detroit in the past where Raymond had a couple of games where he was decent. Cephas had a couple of decent games. I think this is all you're really seeing. I think when you have the eye test, Hawkinson and Josh Reynolds are definitely the best pass catchers on as receivers on that Detroit team versus Detroit team really can't throw the ball all that well and isn't going to throw the ball a lot either. I'm not necessarily, I'm not banking on this guy. I'm not putting him in my lineup this week. And I'll just get to his next question real quickly. Uh, is Madison playing any news? Dalvin Cook's a game time decision, so you will have to stay tuned to that until tomorrow. Make sure you're following us on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show, and we will keep you up to date. Let's get back to the Raiders, Chris. Josh Jacobs is my RB7 this week. Obviously, that's reflective of Kenyon Drake breaking his ankle. And then what Jacobs was then allowed to do in the passing game? Nine targets last week it to me I don't think there's a difference between a Josh Jacobs and a Najee Harris right now where it's not going to be pretty on the field because it's just not allowing him to be between the offensive lines and everything else going on but the volume could be insane and the touchdown potential will be there Josh Jacobs is a mid-level RB1 for me this game yeah, the only thing that can rain on at the parade is if Jalen Richard suddenly gets back the role of the pass catcher John Gruden's the- not there anymore the excitement most. They still were trying to use Rashard even when Gruden's been gone. So that's one thing I have heard. And I I, I, I don't want to rain on Josh Jacobs' parade because it's about time to get thrown the ball. But that's the one thing I can kind of see creeping on the horizon you want to keep your eyes on. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, 
talk about is Hunter Renfro. Yeah, um, you play Hunter Renfro. That's that's hashtag analysis right there. <laughs> Guy's got a hundred yard. Before it was he was a guy that oh he'll get you seven to eight catches, but not necessarily a hundred yards. Well now all of a sudden he gets you a hundred yards to go with it, maybe even a touchdown. He is the passing game, especially without Darren Waller, who by the way I am suspecting he's going to miss another week. They're still talking about him as if he's kind of week to week. Didn't practice today. I really don't think he's going to be out there. But even when he is. Hunter Renfro is the go-to guy of this offense with Derek Carr, especially since Henry Ruggs has been out. His target share is unbelievable. You're playing Hunter Renfro. I think the only question is, are you going to play Foster Moreau after he didn't do what you wanted him to do against Darren Waller, just had the one catch for 34 yards on three targets? I am. Foster Moreau is a top 12 tight end for me this week. He is a tight end one. He They still wanted to go to him. The utilization was there. He was out there for a lot of it. He was running a lot of routes. I think he will be more utilized, and we know he has touchdown capabilities in the past. There's a nice spot for him against Kansas City here. So I'll play Foster Moreau in Darren Waller's stead without a hesitation. Yeah, I think Foster Moreau is one of those guys, once you get top, you know, past a certain tier of tight ends, all those guys are kind of different, you know, crapshoots in a sense. I think he's definitely one of the guys that your odds are more in your favor than those other crapshoots you put in your lineup this week. So I think he's a dollar to Foster Moreau as well. All right, are you ready for this? Now, Kansas City's been actually covering their line lately, so this will be interesting. Minus nine and a half against the Raiders. The overrunner set at 48. Does Kansas City blow out the Raiders again? I'm going to say no. I'm actually going to take the Raiders plus nine and a half in this game. I think it's going to be close. What about you? I like that call. I'm not betting on it, but I like that call. <laughs> I'll take your moral support <laughs> along with me. Uh Let's move into the Saints, the Jets. So it looks like Taysom Hill's going to play because he practiced in full today. That's the good news. Uh, maybe a little bit of discomfort. But what Taysom Hill gives you through the air has always been the cherry on top anyway. The cake is the rushing. It's all you care about. As long as this guy runs, that's all you need him to do. And against the Jets, I think he'll be okay. Taysom Hill is my QB eight this week. I have all the confidence in the world playing him as a quarterback one. What about you, Chris? I'll take you a step farther. I think you can make an argument. He should be a top three quarterback. this week. <laughs> I think that you look at a guy that has outstanding production potential versus his Jets defense that just got lit up by the stash last week. I know that was through the air, but Taysom Hill can make some decent throws. Sean Payton called a good game last week. He calls a similar game this week versus the Jets, and Alvin Kamara is healthy again. Just watch out. This team's going to score some points. Taysom Hill is going to be a guy who's a beneficiary of that. And I think this guy right now is going to give you a lot what Jalen Hurts was giving you in the beginning of the season. That guy can give you 26, 20 to 30 points week in, week out for the rest of the season. I tend to agree with you because he's always going to be a threat to get rushing touchdowns. So have a good opportunity here. You mentioned Alvin Kamara being back. He practiced in full today. It does look like Alvin Kamara is going to return. And thank goodness because Mark Ingram had to go on the COVID-19 list. So he's highly questionable at best for Sunday. A lot of the reporting around him is leaning towards him being out. So Alvin Kamara might be back and in line for a big workload right off the bat. Now it doesn't really matter. He's an RB one if he's playing, but be good to see him back after a month of play. Do you think there's going to be really any limitations on him this week? I think even if there is, you're super excited he's playing versus the Jets. So even if he gets right. 10 to 15 touches, you're still going to probably get over 100 yards. I did have Mark Ingram as somebody who I thought could possibly be in the top 36 because he, the role that he's played since he's come to the team, even when Kamara was healthy, it was only for like that one week. But we saw right off the bat, 
Mark Ingram would be allowed to get his eight to 10 or so carries within the confines of this offense. I don't expect him to play. So I took him out of my rankings. You're kind of looking for other options there with Deontay Harris suspended. Are you interested in any of these wide receivers? Now I don't have anybody ranked inside of top 36, so I'm not, but I want to see if you have any argument for Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith. No. Uh, I, well, I'm very excited about Taysom Hill, and I'm very excited about seeing Sean Payton kind of get back on his game. One thing I saw that kind of stood out to me with Taysom Hill was that they, they're gonna, everybody's going to get kind of involved in the opportunity to kind of spread the ball around to different guys. So other than Alvin Kamara, I don't know who's going to eat week to week in the passing game. I tend to agree. Let's flip over to the Jets side of the ball real quick. So Tevin Coleman, he's got a concussion. We got to see if he's going to be able to play or not. If he doesn't, I will have interest in Ty Johnson as a, as a RB three. I do believe it would be Ty Johnson as the lead back um, in that offense. If that were to happen, but still you're playing against the saints. Nobody really has big upside as a Jets starting running back. But since this is a week, you're so desperate. He would be an RB three. If Tevin Coleman doesn't play, if Tevin Coleman does play. He's an RB 30 for me. So kind of in the same territory. Anyway, Corey Davis is out for the rest of the year. So Elijah Moore now gets to step in, but now Elijah Moore picks up an injury. We're not sure how serious it is yet, but he wasn't really able to practice today. He's dealing with a quad issue. Let's take this from the aspect of Elijah Moore plays, because if he doesn't play, then you're just not touching the Jets at all, fantasy-wise anyway. But if he does play, I do have him at wide receiver 21. Now, I have some fears because while the Saints defense hasn't been great, Marshawn Lattimore still has been pretty good consistently, and he would shadow Elijah Moore in this situation with no Corey Davis being around. But the guaranteed target share, I think, kind of balances that out to some degree because, yes, Crowder's there, but Zach Wilson clearly just wants to go whoever that number one outside wide receiver is. In this case, it would be Elijah Moore. So I do have him at wide receiver 21. I think you're playing him if he's activated and good to go. What's your take on Elijah Moore, not just this week, but the rest of the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I love Elijah Moore's talent. I love his skill set, but I don't love the, the usage on the outside consistently the way they have been and refusing to kind of use him in a slot where I think he'd be most effective. As a result, I think Zach Wilson has been kind of feeding him enough to kind of keep him fantasy relevant and keep that hot streak kind of going. But what I haven't seen is him consistently being the guy that they're looking for, you know, down after down, and the passing game really being something that's successful right now. So overall, I have some concerns about Elijah Moore's overall production. I think he's seeing the volume that you kind of want to see as a percentage-wise in the passing game. I just don't trust this just passing game enough to kind of think they can necessarily feed Elijah Moore, particularly with a, a Gilmore kind of matching up on him. I'm sorry, a Vladimir matching up on him. That I think it's going to be a difficult matchup for him. I think Elijah Moore has some struggles getting off the line. I think I think you're going to see not just him having some struggles. I think you're going to see Zach Wilson have some struggles trying to get him the ball and being able to throw over Elijah Moore. So I think this is going to be a tough matchup in the sense. I think you can put him in your lineup, but I would fit more than a receiver three production sweep. Okay, betting on this game, this is going to be one of my lock bets of the week. The Saints are minus five on the road against the Jets. The over are set at 43. I'm locking the Saints in at minus five. I think that's disrespectful to the Saints. What about you? I 100% agree with you, which is probably the kiss of death of the scenes. But, <laughs> yes, I think that, that absolutely – I think this is going to be a get-right game for this team. And I think the Jets are the perfect patsy to kind of – for this team to face and kind of just, you know, take out some of the aggression for the season and how it's gone so far. 
All right, what we're going to do now is take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to finish up previewing the early slate window of games, and then we're going to talk about our mailbag segment on the other side. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's Fantasy Football Show will be back right after this. It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to gift as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show and download us on the Amazon App Store so you can throw us up on the big screen and watch us every single day. Chris Dowhauer, who's here, myself, Dan Mater. Now we got an NFC East Rival matchup as we continue through the early slate window of matchup previews for our fantasy football week 14. Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team, two teams battling it out in the NFC East because believe it or not, Washington on one hell of a winning streak right now, making this thing all that more confusing as far as what are these teams supposed to be or not. But let's start on the Dallas side of the ball. So we got Tony Pollard. He picked up a foot injury apparently. So I thought it was a lot of cold water on the whole, ooh, Tony Pollard could take it over type of deal. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott says he's feeling better, although they did admit his knee probably won't actually heal for another three to four weeks. But it is progressing in the right direction in despite him playing on it. And they say he can't really get any worse by him playing on this particular issue. He's, he's so, only running in mud, not quicksand right now. 
Yeah, uh, that's it. That's all. Look, as long as he keeps getting the volume, because that's the main thing, right? Especially when we're talking about half-point PPR rankings here, he's getting a ton of catches. That hasn't changed. He's not going for much. He's not running it for much. But he's doing just enough to be fantasy relevant. He's still technically a number five running back uh, on the season, believe that or not. But I do have an RB15 heading into this week against Washington. You have him. You're playing him. If you want to close your eyes when you have to watch him out there, I don't blame you. Tony Pollard, if he goes, he's an RB27 because this is a nice spot for him to be able to break one. And he's been a little bit more involved over the past few weeks with Ezekiel Elliott trying to get through this knee issue. So depending upon that foot issue, I do think you can play both of these guys. Are you on board with that? Yeah, but I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head with their both big silly flex options. You're not really looking for a guarantee to get much more than that. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that one. But I will play the pass catchers in this game. Now, I know Washington's defense has been playing better as of late, but the quarterbacks and the wide receivers are still putting up points against these guys. Dak Prescott comes in as my QB three on the week, and I pair him up with three receivers that I think you can play. CeeDee Lamb's my wide receiver eight. Obviously, you love CeeDee Lamb. That's not a question. Amari Cooper comes in at my wide receiver 26. I think he'll be better than what he was the week before. I think his usage will be back up. But I don't think he's quite Amari Cooper yet. And his usage in general has been kind of hit or miss this season to begin with. So I have some I have some trepidation when it comes to Amari Cooper. But ultimately, I'm still playing him as a high-end wide receiver three. And Michael Gallup gets in my top 36 as my wide receiver 32 this week. I think you can play him as somebody who has some boom or bust potential. One of the few boom or bust guys I'm willing to put in there because of this match against Washington. Where are you at on all the passing offense of Dallas this week? We'll throw in Dalton Schultz there, too. He's my tight end 10. Yeah, I think, first of all, I love Dak Prescott. I think it's a great call by you. I think that you saw a lot of things you liked on last week from him, and I think you're going to continue to see him kind of get back into the groove, and he looked pretty good in the passing game. I expect that to kind of continue this week versus the Washington football team's defense struggle all year versus the pass. I know they've been playing better as of late. I'm going to slip by into that. And as for the receivers, I think C.D. Lamb clearly is the number receiver one right now this team. The guy you can trust the most has most potential for the big play, and the guy who kind of has the safest floor because he gets utilized all over the field. Uh, but the guy I do like a little bit more this week, maybe even you do, is Amari Cooper. I think Amari Cooper is going to kind of have that bounce back week. I think it's the week that he kind of gets right and kind of shows you why he's a guy that you know Dak Prescott loves throwing the ball to. He also plays really well versus the Washington football team historically. So I think it's the game where he can kind of do his and get his. The guy I'd be a little bit more fearful with my lineup is Gallup. But you talk about a guy who definitely has some upside. So if you're kind of looking for the upside potential, you can play him. This is a little guy I have a little more fear. I just think there's a lot of guys who can kind of eat in this game. You could easily see a Jarwin, or not Jarwin, uh, you could easily see a Schultz or somebody else kind of taking away too many targets that they don't feed all three of the receivers this week. No, I totally agree. I think you just play everybody on Dallas that you normally would in this match against Washington. That's really ultimately what it boils down to. The only quick note I do want to say is that CeeDee Lamb. He didn't start off the season the way we maybe would have wanted him to, but lately I feel like he's not just a wide receiver one for Dallas, but I think he's becoming a wide receiver one overall, a top 12 guy the rest of the way, because he seems to be taking it up to another notch. When guys come back, Cooper and Gallup come back, he gets to dominate that slot. Dak has nothing but eyes for CD Lamb right now. I think the key thing is to talk about being in the slot, and I think that's where he, he has that really safe utilization in that floor. He also passes the eye test, 
Somewhere where you kind of saw Justin Jefferson start having his breakout this this year and kind of just getting the stretch he's been on recently. See Lance kind of showing you the same thing where he's basically unguardable and hard to tackle, and teams are really struggling to basically take his guy away. And it's it's he's basically the cream's rising to the top. I think you're really seeing him become taking the evolution to become that next guy. Particularly next year, I think this guy's going to be receiver one. Let's flip over to Washington, and uh, we'll make it real easy. Antonio Gibson, my top ten running back. He's my number nine running back on the week. Jamie McKissick did come back and practice today, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, even if he comes back and puts a little bit of a cap on Gibson as far as the receiving game goes, since the bye week, Gibson has gotten over 20 touches every single week, and he's been scoring, and he looks a lot better. He looks like he's over this shin issue where he looks explosive again. So Antonio Gibson, a must bona fide play against Dallas. Let's talk about a more interesting factor in Terry McLaurin. So this is a guy that a lot of people are super frustrated with, and I can understand why. But let's keep in mind here, Dallas is a team that gives up the big play quite consistently, and McLaurin usually bounces back after a poor performance the week before. So I have Terry McLaurin as my wide receiver 10 this week. I'm well ahead of consensus, but I think he bounced back in a big way against Dallas. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, and I think I talked about earlier in the show. I think that's the MO for a lot of these receivers. A lot of people are frustrated with the receivers, what they're getting from them. But we're now Terry McGoran is one of those guys who can produce at a receiver one potential and has that potential, especially as Dallas defense, who isn't you know great against the pass and you definitely take advantage of. I think one of the things they kind of he had an issue with was his team just didn't score last week. And the, overall that game wasn't a high scoring game, but you kind of expected it to be more so. Dallas isn't going to score in the teens. As a result, you're going to Terry McGoran's going to have to be involved in this game. He's going to have a nice floor. I think have a great ceiling as well. Keep your eye out on Ricky Seals-Jones. If he's able to be active and playing this week, Logan Thomas will be out for the rest of the season, regardless of whether it's an ACL tear or not. Ricky Seals-Jones coming into this week, if he plays my tight end 13, but he will probably be a top 12 option for me more times than not. So if you're going into the fantasy playoffs and you've been streaming tight ends, pick this guy up because he might be able to anchor your position moving forward. They still need another pass catcher besides Terry McLaurin going down the field. He's already proven he could be that guy before. Let's talk about betting this game, though, Chris. It's minus four for Dallas on the road. The over-under set at 48. What do you like there? I like Dallas in this game. I like them to cover. I think that they should be the superior team. I think that Washington football team, while they've been in kind of like their streak, I don't really believe it. I know everybody's kind of all high on Heineke right now. I've seen this movie before. I've seen this show before. I think Dallas is the more talented team and is going to show out and they're going to be the one that comes out on Sunday. By double, I think they're going to win by double visit personally. I think it'll be close, but I think it will be more than four points. I think D- Dallas will win by six or more in this game. So I do have Dallas covering on the road as well. I think it's time for Washington to have it snap because I don't really believe in this team either like you don't. Uh, the next game up, we have Atlanta and Carolina. This is a game that I'm probably going to skip and just tune in every so often to check out my fantasy guys because I'm not going to want to watch this game. But, If you have Cordell Patterson, obviously, you play Cordell Patterson. He's my number 10 running back on the week. There's not really much to be said other than he is the offensive playmaker. Even with his snap count going down, he still gets utilized or gets as many touches as he ever has. So nothing to worry about with Cordell Patterson. I think what we had to ask yourselves, what people are asking themselves, do you play Russell Gage and can you play Kyle Pitts? Uh, Let's start off with the Russell Gage conversation. So Gage did actually make my top 36 at wide receiver 36 right on the dot there. Uh, I'm not going to feel great about it, but because Kyle Pitts has been struggling so much or 
Matt Ryan's been struggling to actually hit him accurately. For some reason, he can't throw him the ball accurately. I don't know why. Uh, but with his inefficiencies from his target to his actual catch usage as of late, Russell Gage has been kind of stepping into that role. Now, I've seen, you talk about seeing this movie before with Tyler Heineke. I've seen this movie with Russell Gage before where he can go off, he'll make you believe you can actually play him, and he turns around with a two-catch, 24-yard performance the very following week. And there's definitely a possibility that that happens here this week. But again, he makes my top 36 because there's four teams on by. There's a lot of options not out there that normally would have been. So I think you play Gage if you have no other option, but I'd rather have an Osborne or a guy somewhere in that territory we've talked about already this show than a Russell Gage, just to be perfectly clear. So where are you at on Gage? Where are you at on Kyle Pitts this week? By the way, I have Kyle Pitts at tight end six, so I'm definitely playing him. Yeah, I'm not a big Gage fan overall, so I'll just make that as my preface. This is a guy that I like talk about seeing the movie before. I'm not impressed with his skill set. I've seen him have big games and then disappear for weeks at a time. We've been waiting for him to kind of step up this entire season, and different guys have kind of taken that role here or there where it's like, oh, who's the guy now for Atlanta this week? I don't think any receivers can be trusted. Other than the guy I'm ever going to play in this passing game is going to be Kyle Pitts. That's it, period, for me the rest of the season. Uh, on the Panthers' side, Cam Newton is my QB12, so I am playing Cam as a low-end QB1. No, I am not scurred off by the five completion, 21 you know, performance that he had against Cincinnati. This is Atlanta. We saw him light up Washington. Atlanta's very similar as far as what their defensive skill set is. And kind of like Taysom Hill, all you care about is the rushing upside. There's no Christian McCaffrey anymore. So I do believe that this offense is going to revolve around Cam Newton and his legs and his playmaking ability heading up as a good matchup against Atlanta. Now, he's not safe like Taysom Hill is because he's not quite as explosive or doesn't take as many hits as he used to. But he has a similar type of fantasy output that you're looking for. So I am confident in playing Cam as a top 12 quarterback this week. And, and what say you, what do you think about Cam first? I was until I saw that debacle of the five for 21 game. And the thing that concerned me the most was not running the ball. Now I know they fired Joe Brady, which I think was an idiotic thing to do. I know they're going to be committed to running the ball and they've been making very clear to the entire world. They plan on running the ball. Last time they did that was early in the season, a week before they played the Giants, and there was a mandate by Matt Rule about running the ball, and we were going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and they didn't do shit versus the Giants. So I expect that they're going to have this. Now, Atlanta defense isn't good, but that Giants defense it was not good at the time either. They didn't have like Martinez, and everybody's running right through it. So I have a lot of trepidations for this Carolina team, where every time I think they've turned a corner and kind of figured it out, they've kind of you know stabbed me in the back, so to speak. Cam's one of those guys who's kind of led the way where I, I thought he won me over, and then what I watched him kind of do was really disappointing. I think this game is a spot you can start him if you need to, but I still want to see another week of camp before I actually can figure out whether I want to play him in my lineup or not. And I think, like I said you know, earlier in the show, a lot of people are in their playoff spot right now or fight for playoff spots. If you have a better option than Cam Newton, I don't know if this a chance right now to take – I'm going to count on the matchup with Atlanta. So that's what I'm going to go for with it. DJ Moore is my wide receiver 14 this week. Uh, Again, you like the matchup and the one receiver cam will hit is DJ Moore. Uh, I don't know how much volume you're necessarily going to get, but he's the guy who's going to get the volume. Does he need to break one possibly, but he's got a nice high floor with a good chance to do so. I just don't see how you're going to have better options than DJ Moore, frankly, on your lineups. The real question is going to be, I believe between Chuba Hubbard, and Amir Abdullah, because keep in mind now, Chuba Hubbard kind of lost his one-for-one 
handcuff role with Christian McCaffrey. Amir Abdullah not only came on this team, took away the passing role, but then he started cutting into Chuba Hubbard's carries a lot too, to the point where it was almost 50-50 between them as far as rushing the football. I do think this will lean towards Chuba Hubbard with carries. I got him in a 60-40 split, but I do have Amir Abdullah getting most of the passing down work. The problem with that is that with Cam now at quarterback, that passing down work role gets gets shrunk. So Amir Abdullah comes in my RB 38. I'm only playing him if you're absolutely desperate. Chuba Hubbard does come into my RB 25. He has the higher touchdown potential along with more carries probably heading his way with a Cam Newton. Where are you out in this running backs? Yeah, I'm definitely higher than Hubbard, particularly this week where I think that this scheme, Atlanta is not going to score a lot of points in this game either. So it's going to be a game where he's going to be able to utilize and fall behind big and you turn to the pass down only guy. I also am really curious to see how this offense plays and personnel, how it's kind of utilized without Joe Brady there. I do wonder if he kind of was leaning towards using a third down guy in a sense. You did see in the beginning of the season, Hubbard was used playing in the past situations. I kind of taken that role away from Freeman, who had been you know, recently cut um, and we're kind of playing that role earlier in the season as well. So, and then you had this stretch where Smith kind of came off the bench, played out randomly, but then Hubbard came back and started being the passing guy again. I think Matt Rule preferred to have Hubbard. It's the guy they spent the draft capital on. It's the guy they kind of drafted to be the understudy replacement, in a sense, to be the guy who comes in for Christian McCaffrey. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's the guy who gets the first crack and majority of the crack. I think Abdul is a guy that might be getting some utilization, but I think as matchup-wise, as the season kind of progresses, he has some better things when it comes on paper about being involved in the passing game. But I think overall, Hubbard's the guy I prefer to have. As far as betting this game goes, it's Carolina minus two and a half in Carolina. Over-under set at 42 and a half. Give me the under in this game, and I'm not picking a winner. Yeah, this is one of those games where I think Carolina should be able to blow out Atlanta, but then I also think this game could easily go either way. So, yeah, as a game, I'm definitely avoiding it. I'm not going over-under because I don't think this game is going to be very exciting to watch. (laughs) <laughs> all right let's talk about seattle and houston i know another very exciting game that's that's our game that's our last game for the show anyway uh russell wilson even against houston is still my qb 15 i'm not playing him he had his best game in forever last week and was still a fantasy dud for all intents and purposes so let's focus and i'm not touching a, a seattle seahawk running back alex collins is back healthy rashad penny's in there adrian peters in there they're trying to figure out the roles I, Pete Carroll and that many running backs. No, thank you. I'm not touching anybody. Let's talk about the wide receivers. You got to be able to play these wide receivers because they're too good not to. Now, Tyler Lockett, he's been fine. He's actually had a floor. He scores a touchdown. You actually can have confidence in playing Tyler Lockett right now because with Russell Wilson, the big factor has been he can't throw the deep ball the way he used to with his finger. That is clear. And I don't think it's going to clear up at any point this season, which is a big reason why DK Metcalf out in the perimeter has been getting left out to dry. And Tyler Lockett over the middle of the field has been the one who's been targeted and being able to get consistently hit on a more efficient basis because he's operating in that area where Russell Wilson can actually make those throws still. So that's why you're fine with Tyler Lockett. But DK Metcalf is my wide receiver 18. I actually have Lockett one spot ahead at wide receiver 17. So I'm still playing Metcalf at the wide receiver two. There was more of a, I want I want to say, a, a, I'm not sure what the right word is here, more of a focus, I guess, to try to get him involved earlier in the game last week, although it still wasn't a great performance. But Chris, are you going to still fire up DK Metcalf against Houston with confidence? Absolutely. Um, DK Metcalf is one of those guys that I'm going to put my line up no matter what. I think he dressed it to be receiver one. This is the kind of guy that can win the game for you by himself. 
So for me, especially the game a matchup like this, you cannot set a guy like DK Metcalf or somebody else that you think you could argue is going to have a higher upside. I know Russell Wilson's struggling. I know he's not throwing a deep ball that well. But DK Metcalf's the kind of guy that can catch a two-yard slant and turn into a 90-yard 90 90 yard play. So for me, this guy's always going to be in my lineup. And I know that you're kind of struggling right now, but like I talked about receivers over and over again this whole season, you know, this whole show, these guys are all kind of lower to place right now. And if you have a guy who's a thoroughbred versus a team that's been atrocious versus the pass, you play that thoroughbred. On Houston's side, there's only one thing to talk about. That's Brandon Cooks, and you can't really trust Brandon Cooks. It's been five games now since he had double-digit targets. I don't really care who the quarterback is. He needs the double-digit targets in order to stay fantasy-relevant, in order to maintain his floor because of how bad this offense is. Now, he's still a high-end wide receiver three for me this week because of the match against Seattle. No more Jamal Adams. And there's just nobody else to go to with the ball. But if he doesn't do it this week, Chris... Before we head into the fantasy playoffs, he'll probably start to fall into my lower end wide receiver three territory where you're questioning if you're even putting Brandon Cooks in your lineup. I think you have to. I mean, right now, without the volume, you're not going to get touchdown production. So it's not something you can kind of spank on this team scoring any points for you. You needed him to have the high volume, you needed him to be consistently played. What you really needed him to be was moved around in the field where they were being in the season. They've gotten lazy offensively. This offense looks like it packed it in for the season. And you go return to Mills back this week. I have no hope for Brandon Cooks as the season kind of progresses. And I don't disagree that he's going to be somebody properly. I mean, you have to argue, you know, can you even stick in your lineup as the season progresses? The line here is minus seven and a half for Seattle on the road. The over under the lowest of all of them, 41 and a half. I'm taking Houston plus seven and a half. I don't Seattle doesn't play with Seattle doesn't play with enough pace for me to think that they're actually going to beat anybody by a touchdown or more. I just they just don't. I mean, I can't argue that. I, I don't have the guts to bet on that. I think Seattle is definitely I'll say, the better I'll say this team. Caveat, as long as Tyrod Taylor plays, if it's Davis Mills, then I will probably take Seattle. But if Tyrod plays, I'm going to take Houston to cover. I just think that right now, I mean, yes, I think Seattle should cover. I think they should be able to beat this team. I think that you saw how bad this Texan team is the last couple of weeks, losing to the Jets, losing, just getting blown out last week. Um, I think that they're on their fumes right now, but I still think it's interesting because we all know Seattle and why you're making this bet probably. Seattle plays down to the competition, always does, always has somehow. We watched this in Minnesota last week. is one of those games and one of those teams you just kind of never want to battle on the bank on. Yeah, agreed. Guess what time it is? The mail's here. Remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media at Show. We'll answer all of your questions. I'll pick out a few of my favorite ones and give you guys shout-outs here during the episode. So first up, we got Levi. He needs one for the flex. Russell Gage, Darrell Williams, or KJ Osborne. Give me KJ Osborne of that group. I think he has just as much of a floor and a higher ceiling than those other two. That's where I'm going. Where are you going, Chris? Yeah, I think I kind of jumped the gun earlier in the show. We had this, you know, the Gage or Osborne. I'm sticking with Osborne. I was going to stick with him regardless of the other two options were I think Osborne's the guy that you play for your flex this week. Neil, he has Kyle Pitts or Zach Ertz. That's actually a fair question. Now, here's what I'll say. I have Kyle Pitts ranked a couple spots higher for this week. But rest of season fantasy playoffs, I think I would actually go Zach Ertz. I think you can trust him more. Again, going back to that trust question, I think you could trust Zach Ertz and his usage in that Arizona offense more for your fantasy playoffs. I go the opposite way where I think Zach Ertz is – if DeAndre Hopkins is back and healthy, 
Right now, you have no idea who's going to get that ball in Arizona passing attack other than DeAndre Hopkins. I think Kyle Pitts is obviously still the best receiver on Pittsburgh, no matter what happens. So still the guy I want to put my line and hope for the upside it hits one of these days. So Josh had asked me, KJ Bourne, uh, KJ Osborne, or Amon Ross St. Brown, which we actually wound up getting asked that question during the show. We already answered it. So we're both on the Osborne side of it. So let's skip ahead to our last question of the show. Mark, Joe Burrow or Taysom Hill? I got Taysom Hill at QB8. So I'm going Taysom Hill all the way. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I had to cut out of the bag earlier. I think Taysom Hill could be an orderly quarterback top three, right? So I'm playing Taysom Hill definitely. Absolutely. Guys, thanks for tuning into the show today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We're going to be back actually Friday morning for the recap show. Uh, so a little bit later, usually do it Thursday night, but it will be Friday morning. So we'll do Thursday night recap and all the late slate window of matchup previews. And then we'll be back later on that Friday again for the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. So lots of content coming out to you guys on Friday. So stay tuned to that. Make sure you're following us along on social media at Billy FF show. Make sure you subscribe to the MD's fantasy football show, YouTube channel, download us, subscribe to us on your favorite pod streaming app, and make sure you download the MD's fantasy football show on the Amazon app store to fire us up on your fire TV devices and Android devices all the way around. I'm your host, Dan Maynard. Join here, Chris Dauhauer. We'll see you guys again soon. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.